0: all right all right guys welcome back to the podcast welcome back to theory and theology on this podcast we talk about spirituality and cultures and theories and religion and all sorts of good stuff like that um so i wanted to talk about um Inuit tribes in the Arctic, so I am by no means an expert, but a lot of different tribal cultures just fascinate me, Um, especially because like, at least half of my family came from a tribal culture that, you know, my great-grandparents' life... Looked different from my grandparents' life. Look different from my parents' slash um, aunts and uncles, that generation's life. And now my life looks so far removed from what my great-grandparents' lives looked like. Like, I used to think about this, you know. I would think about... I mean, I still do think about it. Um, On my mom's side, my great-grandmother passed away while I was... um, Let me see. It was... uh, These calculations are so hard. It was between... Like, either... I want to say about... uh, Seven years ago. Maybe seven years ago. When she was 105 years old. And I thought about it. And I was like, wow. She was born... Um, Just after the turn of the century. So whenever I would watch movies, you know, I've watched a lot of movies about, um, you know, how a lot of different tribal groups around the world, particularly the North American ones that I focused on maybe more, um, they got taken over by, you know, Western culture and slaughtered and, you know, unfortunately, you know... Um, a lot of those tribal groups and a lot of them definitely thrive and a lot of them are surviving, but, you know, I don't want to discount the fact that, you know, that's their history, but, um, just like I, I mean, it's not the same thing, but saying like, you know, American black slavery or Caribbean black slavery or different black groups of slaves, um, you know, I know at least when, you know, I'm in classes or something and people bring up black people and always just say black people and slavery. It's kind of like, okay, that's not the whole story. You don't always have to bring up the slavery. Like, let's bring up the stuff that actually does work too. Like, it's not all about slavery. I mean, when you look at black people, you see, you know, um, a lot of people around the world see black people in the media, but You know, there might be like the stories about crimes and things like that, but there's also, you know, the athletes, the musicians, the very creative, very talented people and, you know, who kind of are self-made, you know, a lot of the time, too. Um, You know, I'm not saying that that's the whole of the culture, but it's like if you look on the very surface levels, those are kind of the stories you hear in black culture and I know in indigenous cultures there are stories that are kind of just on the surface told too which would be like the genocides and you know um all these other types of things but you hardly hear the stories of how people are kind of uh thriving later on like it is super complex just like with black people super complex like it, you know, a lot of groups by no means are like, you know, better off because of their history of thing of how things went down and, you know, um, there's definitely a lot of disparity, a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, tragedy, trauma, you know, so I, you know, it's kind of hard to know how much to focus on which aspects because, you know, I'm not trying to be insensitive, I'm not trying to just like... Pigeonhole everybody into these groups of like, okay, this is the tragic part of the history that's a reality, too, and not make light of it and not never mention it, but then also not like just only talk about like this is their story, all of their story, lump everybody into one group and be like, this is all we're going to talk about is the tragedies. Um, but, but something that definitely, um, interests me about the Arctic, um, groups, you know, and Canadian, Alaskan, the ones that are called, um, like, basically either Indigenous or First Nations or whatever, you know, um, but I think the Inuit tribes tend to be, at least in my opinion, the ones that come up the most as far as, like, the content that I see online, it tends to be mostly Inuit groups, um... But I'm also not sure if it's because that's what I'm searching. Um, but yeah, I've also mentioned before about Isuma TV, Isuma.tv. Um, and I've also mentioned about some of the movies that I like. I'm really fascinated by the culture, um, especially because it's something I never really knew about, and like even in school, like, you're taught about maybe, like, Eskimos, but you're not really taught much about them. Like, you're just taught, like, they exist and it's cold and they, you know, you're not taught much about them, so, or any other group for that matter, but um, you're kind of taught, like, basic stuff. You're not taught, like, any real life, like, what what's their life like now, you know? So when I started watching a lot of movies and documentaries and stuff about um, Inuit tribes one thing I noticed is that I have a really hard time telling the difference between how old um, the setting is for whatever is the movie whatever like for example I'm what I mean by that is I could watch a movie that seems like it was you know from 1980. Um, like, like placed in the 1980s, I can watch a movie that's placed in like 1900 or 1850 or something. And a lot of times it looks the same, like the setting looks so similar. Um, I've only noticed the ones that seem to be like from the nineties or so you start seeing people with like snowmobiles. Now I don't really know the the real timelines, But I do notice, you know, a lot of the more modern movies are, um, in, uh, you know, um, people more so in, like, towns and stuff. Um, but not, like, thriving. It seems like before, other than, like, you know, the dangers of, you know, being out in the wilderness and, um, you know, it seemed like people had their communities, the stories you see are like people with their communities, um, there's some supernatural stuff that goes on sometimes, and there's some other types of stuff that goes on with like, maybe like the weather or like urgent types of situations, but outside of that, it's not necessarily like stories of like government oppression and stuff like that, um, um, but yeah, that's something that has been interesting me catching my attention because I do follow a lot of um or have been starting to be interested in following a lot of um indigenous North American groups um like getting a little more familiar with like different tribes that I've never heard about and kind of like their their stories their lineages um I started doing this project um based on where I, I live, um, and just kind of, like, anything that kind of comes up uh, near areas in L.A. or in San Diego where I've lived, like, who were the original people that were there, and kind of how did the cities kind of develop to look how they look currently. Um, there's something about knowing that history that's like, wow, I've never, ever, ever touched this history, but it's available now, at least... There are versions of it that are available now um, with all the social media and everything and YouTube. Like, it's easy to find people telling stories and go onto websites and find websites about these uh, tribes of people and see kind of like, you know, is it a reservation? Do they have like, you know, what does their society look like? And, you know, I feel like I never really had like much of an open door to, like, Indigenous American culture, like, other than what I've mentioned before, when I would see, like, street names or city names or just, like, names of stuff where you're just like, how come everything's, like, you know, it would always just be completely confusing to me that, like, everything in LA is in Spanish. Same with San Diego. A lot of stuff is in Spanish. And then there's other stuff in languages that you're like, this is not Spanish You know, it's not, like, a Vietnamese language, it's not a Chinese language, it's not, you know, it's not Japanese, it's not, um, you know, it's not a a familiar, like, Asian language, it's not a familiar language that I know, Um, and you're just, like, seeing these words all over the place, Um, you know, all over your city, like, everywhere, you know, and I pay attention to that kind of stuff, because I'm, like, sometimes you see things that are just, like, They just, not really that they're out of place, but it's like, you know, I kind of wonder, like, you know, like, I think one of the first things that caught my interest was in, um, San Diego. Uh, I lived near, at one point, I lived near Tecalote Canyon, and then I remember going up to Kuape Peak, and there's this little area in, um one or two little areas that I know about in, uh, Mission, What's it called? Mission Trails, where you can see, um, some of the little his the history that's written of, like, the indigenous people who lived in that area, and when I went up to that peak, I kind of felt like, okay, like, I want to know what's this name, like, you know, and then what's the name of this canyon, and all this kind of stuff, and I started finding out, oh, like, these are, these are, like, the original names of, like, indigenous, you know, people, groups, you know, and I started seeing, like, Siquan all over the place, um, and I remember once, I used to listen to, like, independent radio of some form, I can't remember what I was listening to exactly, maybe it was an archived episode of something, but, um, they were, or maybe it was on the radio, and they were talking about, like, you know, in San Diego, the Sequan. you know, the people, you know, of Saquon, and it was, like, when I first moved there, and I was, like, oh, like, there's, like, indigenous groups out here, like, I didn't even know, and, um, so, yeah, and they're, like, it's, like, within a drivable distance, it's, like, right there, you know, so, um, I was pretty curious, I was, like, okay, like, so there's a, there's a presence, and, like, you know, it's just, like, under, you know, the mainstream of what society kind of talks about. So I went from there and I started um just you know just briefly being interested in certain things. And like I mentioned, you know, I watched the Powwows online because they used to just be a website powwows.com and now they have like a YouTube channel where they um you know show online like on a pretty regular basis um live feed of the powwows every weekend. Um, so I started watching the ones, or at least some of the ones, but I started watching the ones that were, like, closest to areas in, like, LA and San Diego, because I'm like, that's pretty close to home, you know, at least it's in the same state, and, like, you know, trying to learn about these different groups just by, like, okay, this is their, you know, they're hosting a powwow, and, like, I know powwows are, are, like, a more kind of modern thing, but, um... You know, like, I'm learning, like, and, you know, there's names of tribes that I've never heard of. I knew there were names that I'd never heard of before, but it's, like, I kind of think, okay, like, these people live, like, this many miles away. It would be, like, that amount of a drive, and, like, you know, um, how are they different from the people that were on here last week or whatever. It's kind of, like, you know, looking on their websites, a lot of, most of them so far, at least, that I've come across every tribal name, like, has, like, websites, you know, at least one official website dedicated to their tribe, if not more, um, uh, information, and so I look at at least the basic tribe website and see kind of, like, modern day, like, what's going on, and, um, it's just a kind of different connection with the cities that I love that I've never really had before, you know, um, Cause usually I'm focused on, you know, the party, like what I'm doing, but I do like history a lot, not like it as in like, I think it's fun. Like for a lot of us, history was not fun, but I mean, um, I just like learning about history from a perspective of what interests me and, you know, I've always been fascinated by different types of cultures. Like you guys know how I've been fascinated by religious cultures But different tribal groups has also been a fascination of mine Um, ever since I was young. Like, um, one thing I do try to do is um, at least look at what every culture that I learn about kind of has as, like, positive, like, aspects and strengths of their culture of things that I maybe wasn't raised with or I wasn't raised around. And I kind of use those, like, cultural... um, like values or cultural like kind of actions and things that different cultures do to see if it's something that I can kind of resonate with that I would maybe add to my life as like something that could benefit me or I might even like experiment with it and try it and like um that's kind of like how I got interested in learning about psychedelics that's kind of how I got interested in learning about meditation how I got interested in learning about different sleep-wake-related things and different, like, mindsets of thinking, uh, mindsets about work, mindsets about family, mindsets about traditions, um, that, you know, I may not have grown up with that kind of thinking. And it just really challenges my mind to just, like, you know, take in different ideas from other cultures and see kind of how they do something Um <clears throat> So as far as the Inuit tribes um what I was watching today was something I'd saved ages ago but um there's a YouTube channel called Life That Matters Life That Matters and it has a reaching remote or reaching out to um series and this specific series, Uh, this specific episode was called Reaching Remote Inuit Tribes in the Arctic Documentary. And so there's a lot of little documentaries on this this YouTube channel. And that's one of them. It's about 49 minutes long. And this isn't the first time I'm hearing a story sort of similar, but it's probably the freshest one that I've just recently uh, viewed. And so... Something that I learned that I didn't know is that with with uh some of the Inuit tribes history um a lot of their changes to their traditional way of life started just recently in the 1950s. Now, something that is interesting to me is really just the history of, you know, tribal groups um Cause one thing I was noticing, um, when I was studying more about like Zimbabwe and South Africa, and those different travel groups, um, from where my family is from, um, I started learning about, you know, what time frame, you know, um, different people were coming, like, you know, roads, um, because Zimbabwe was previously Rhodesia, so they you know. Um they they named it after Ro- after Rhodes, named it Rhodesia. Um it's Zimbabwe now. Um and, you know, South Africa having apartheid and the um the uh Afrikaans Afrikanas or Afrikaans, the um Dutch groups they came in, um you know, a lot of this was happening, like, in the late 1800s, um, so I think about it, and I'm like, yeah, that was, like, just a bit before my great-grandma was born, that wasn't that long ago, when you think about it, um, and so when I think about things like that, I'm like, oh, she would have been, like, hearing the history of, like, what, or maybe if she was in the, what was going on in current events or whatever, but that might have been, like, recent history for somebody to know about or or something recently happening, you know, politically um, for some people, you know? So I did find that to be very, very interesting. And <clears throat> so, you know, just the time frames and stuff, I was like, wow, that's pretty recent when I think of stuff that, happened like in my great-grandmother's day when there were tribes that were, you know, still living their traditional lives untouched, unbothered for the most part. Um, And then, you know, now, you know, I was learning more about that this was just, you know, not that long ago, you know, 1950s, that's like about 70 years ago. And they said the area that they were talking about in this documentary they said, you know, at a certain time period, like way back, there were like 70 people in the village, and now there's like 7,000. And they said, you know, some of them were talking about how when they were younger, you know, in their lifetime, um, they remember having, you know, living off the land, their hunter-gatherer with, you know, dog sleds, you know. And, you know, so if you think about, about that, it's like, just looking at different generations, the generation before the current one, the people who would be like about my parents age, them and their parents would have been living off the land uh, pretty much compared to now with people with the snowmobiles and, you know, the tragic history where they're saying that like, you know, the people who were taking over were like they killed all their dogs now I've heard in other not in this documentary but I've heard in other um in other uh cultural um documentaries I don't know if it was the Inuit tribes specifically but um some tribes that were like in Alaska or somewhere like that where they talked about you know being able to save some of the dogs but there was something about the places where they were living in those like towns or villages, like in those towns, like in houses, instead of like being out on the land, you know, following herds, going from camp to camp, hunting, you know, gathering, um, eating, you know, like I, I found it very interesting, um, that they were, um, um, yeah, I forgot what I was saying, sorry. But I found that that it was it was pretty interesting that um you know, those those people who had their dogs kind of slaughtered, like they weren't able to grow a next generation of those dogs. They said like the next generation the dogs would always get ill, they would always get sick. Um And I don't remember if they had a reason why, like, if they found that why or not, but the dogs would always get sick. So even when they tried to, like, make their own, um, new, uh, their own new, what do you call it, like, like, kind of rebuild what had been, like, taken, um, they weren't able because, like, you know, a big part of the culture was the dogs. Like, you had to have the dogs to be able to go, um, you know, with the sled from place to place. Um, and, you know, you had to be able to be mobile because of how the herds would move. Like, you can't, you know, you can't just travel on foot. Like, you have to have some method of getting places. And the thing is about the dogs is that, you know, they're not going to freeze to death, first of all. Um. Second of all, you know, like, that's basically the animal that was used, like, you know, and that's how they had their training and how to, you know, how the dogs would, like, some would lead and then, you know, you'd have, like, a pack and it seems like, at least for to my understanding, it seems like whenever I've seen them in, like, episodes of things, like, it seems like The dogs are always kind of, like, tied up, but they're always, like, together. Um, And, you know, they're fed, they're, you know, they're pretty hyper. Um, But they weren't able to, like, rebuild or um, re-populate the dogs that were lost. And so you can't really do a lot of the hunting and stuff by foot like that all the time like that. Um, with no, you know, mode of transportation, you can't get as far, and to use snowmobiles, I mean, first of all, you have to be able to afford it, you have to be able to afford maintenance, and you have to be able to afford fuel, like, I mean, animals, yeah, you have to feed them and maintain them too, but it is kind of like a different uh form of economy because you're not owning those, you know, you're not owning you know, um, well, I guess, yeah, you can own, like, a snowmobile or whatever, but it's, like, um, you still have to purchase it, you still have to get it, you're not, like, raising them till they're old enough and training them and stuff like that, so it's kind of, like, a different process um, so basically, you know, people um, even in the 1950s were being put, you know, kids being put in residential schools, Mm -hmm. Um, they did touch on, you know, the the trauma that people experienced and how they got, you know, uh, a lot of different types of abuse, unfortunately. And, you know, they weren't able to really handle their... um, Not that they weren't. I don't want to blame. I don't want it to sound like I'm blaming them. I mean, a lot of times people aren't taught or there aren't resources for them to get the help they need. I'll put it that way. It's not that they weren't able to handle it. I don't want it to sound like oh, they couldn't handle the abuse, so they went and were abusive to other people, like, what I'm trying to say is that there was a cycle to the abuse, but that's a more recent cycle, because of it not being that long ago, and if you think about other, you know, cultures, too, um, you know, that were tribal um, in their traditions, like, a lot of them experiencing these kinds of changes, um, they mention this, you know, that you know, there's not really, like, a positive benefit to it necessarily. And so, um, that's kind of what I gathered from this. I mean, I'm in no way trying to, like, make groups of people sound like they're not able to sustain themselves. They are, which is kind of one of the problems that I see here is that If groups are able to sustain themselves, like leave them alone. Like, if they're not asking for help, you know, why do people come, you know, and destroy their way of life and be like, you have to live in these buildings now and you can't hunt for yourself and you have to work and make money so you can pay for food? Um, and a lot of these uh, um, shows and stuff about Alaska. It shows how in some places, sometimes the, the food is so expensive um, that it's like, it can be like 15, 20 bucks for like a bag of chips or something. It's like, that's why people live off the land. It's like, you can't really afford to eat if you don't have money, you know, you have to like find a way to do something. And so, you know, that's a problem. You know, it's like if you take someone's way of life away and be like, live like this now instead, but then you don't give them opportunity, you know, um, or if they don't want to do it, you know, like, they weren't asking, oh, help us, because we're not able to sustain ourselves. From what it seems like, they were sustaining themselves just fine until somebody imposed a different way of life on them by force, and, um you know, tried to wipe out their culture for whatever reasons, um, either because, you know, religious reasons for feeling like, um, you know, they were in some way a heathen or, like, a negative person so that is one reason why, and then I mean, there are multiple reasons, but um, you know, definitely corporate greed, definitely, you know, Um, people wanting to have, like, trade relationships that, or, like, control, you know. Um, You can't control people if they can, you know, decide for themselves how much they can sustain themselves, where they live, where they go, Um, you know, what they have to pay, what they don't have to pay. I mean, if you think of it, living off the land, you're not paying for the land, you don't have to pay for it. You know, if you're living in igloos, you know how to make housing wherever you need to be. If it's a time of year where you only can have igloos or if you have tents and things, you're able to make it for yourself and camp, you know, by the water or wherever you need to camp at. You can you can hunt um, all kind of like caribou, reindeer, seals. Seems like seals are a big one. Whales, polar bears. Um, make all your clothes from that, make all your, all the products you need to use throughout the day, um, and throughout your life for that, you know, you're basically self-sufficient, you know, it's like, you know, you don't need somebody coming in and telling you what to do, but people come in and then they do that. And then now, you know, these people are stuck with, you know, people, contaminating their land I've mentioned before and like other um stories of people how they say you know even trying to go out and hunt for yourself you know you're getting some kind of like some people are getting some kind of poisoning from the metals giving them like um, certain types of nerve nerve problems um I mean what are people supposed to do, you know, like, it's just, I don't know, it irritates me to no end, I'm just like, you know, um, I mean, these greedy people who go in and try to take all this different stuff, and it's like, you're not helping these people, Um, they don't need your help, you know, like, leave them the fuck alone, you know, and just let them live their lives, um, and stop trying to, like, turn everybody into one type of group of people. Like, not everybody needs to live a Western lifestyle. Um, Other cultures are very beautiful as they are, you know? Like, um, of course, every culture has humans, and we all have the same types of human faults overall, you know? Like, there's going to be the greedy people, the people who lie, the people who steal, the abusive people, the ones who you know, um, cheat and the ones who kill and, you know, there's going to be those types of people in every group of people that exist on earth. If you have a culture and group of people together, there's going to be people that have negative qualities. Um, there's no group that's like, everybody's all good, but it's like, you know, adding more uh, problems to to their lives um, doesn't help them, you know, it doesn't help them. And especially when they're doing well, um, or better, or at least had a way to problem solve. Um, I don't know if I'd be able to live in those types of towns where it's like, how much are you making if you if your chips are costing like 15 bucks, like how much are you actually making Um, where are you actually working? Is the work satisfying? How does it impact your family life? Um, yeah. And then to, you know, I mean, I don't know how much people are affected by, by the cold there or how much people are affected by, you know, certain times of year where there's like multiple days of darkness, um, I think not good, uh, but also, you know, people acclimate to the cold and stuff like that, but it is harsh, it's a harsh environment, weather-wise, and, like, it's not always, like, snowing, depending where it is, like, it's not always snowing, um, it's not always icy and stuff like that, like, they have, like, other types of weather, you know, <laughs> um, depending, but, yeah, it's still, like, they have a different way of traditional culture, uh, based on where they live, and so, um, and, like, kind of how it is there, so I don't, I don't really think that, um, I don't know, like, I... I'm glad to kind of learn about different cultures, but it's like, um, I wasn't aware how recent, um, a lot of these populations were affected, so it's something I'm still studying, like, a lot of different indigenous groups, I'm still kind of studying them, um, but as snowboard season approaches, you know, I start thinking more and more about, like, winters and snow and Alaska and stuff like that, and the Arctic, um, I don't know. It's just, like, on my mind. Um, But that's the only thing that I have, you know, in uh, you know, in um, when it comes to, you know, culture surrounding, like, anything that has to do with, like, snow or anything like that. I mean, living in, like, LA and San Diego, we don't think about snow like that, like, it's not, like, a big part of the culture, I mean, up in the mountains, LA has mountains, uh, they're far away, but, you know, Wrightwood has mountains, and it's, uh, Wrightwood's in the mountains, it's technically LA, you know, there's a city limit, uh, an LA city limit sign up there, so part of Wrightwood is in Los Angeles County, even though it's freaking far, um, but, yeah, that is the mountains and it does snow there and I do go snowboarding up there. But um yeah. I um I'm I'm getting more and more curious um just trying to post about what I learn. Um I'm going to post the link to lo- the link below of the uh of the episode that I watched. Um, you can watch the whole thing start to finish if you want. I'll have the link there and thanks for listening.